Hello, and welcome to a very special bonus multiverse episode of We Bought a Mic. Talking Loki. Loki? Loki. Loki. Was there a question of how to pronounce that correctly? It's a variant. Well, that's what oh, the show okay. is. The show was made for figuring out how to say, how do you pronounce that? I always thought it was, look, I. Mm, <laughs> and it was right. to find out like what are what am I looking at? Lauki. I thought it was Oki and the L was silent. Hey everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. We bought a mic. My name's Ernest. Uh my name is Hunter, but I'm a variant of Hunter that uh suddenly cares about the Marvel cinematic universe again. And we have a and very special guest. I am Mobius and Mobius. Brett Nemeroff. <laughs> <laughs> is that your Owen Wilson? <laughs> Something like that. Wow. A, it was a variant. <laughs> wow. Welcome back, Brett. Happy to have you back. Thank you. On the show. You are a executive producer of this show. That's right. Uh, monthly donor. Thank you so much for giving us your your cash. From You're kind of like the on. Kevin Feige of this podcast. And I think <laughs> that I did say the same thing when we did our WandaVision episode. That's high praise. Daddy Feige, you know, yeah. he, he's got he's got his bald little head up in here and, you know, you got to hand it to him because people are doubting, like, is this the end of the run post end game world? Like, did it really get as good as it was going to get? Hey, and I, yeah, well, I think we'll talk about that later. You know, like what's what's going on there? I think Thanks. I think that's a good place to start, actually, because now this is our fourth phase four entry if you're counting black widow um oh yeah we have a we have a solid understanding of how this thing is like at least like the direction that it's heading in in phase four right because we had you on for wandavision and that was our first entry in phase four so that was you know that wasn't the way it was planned in a Mm pre-covid world but that's how the cards shook out and now you know great show has its faults but great show but we didn't really know if that was going to be a good representation of what was to come and now we had falcon and the winter soldier you know take what you can from that one that seems pretty detached from everything that we saw here in loki um maybe we can maybe we can give some brief thoughts on that one since we didn't do a an episode yeah. on it um and then black widow which seems more attached to falcon than to this so it seems like phase four is is heading in these two different branch timelines, if you will, with uh, at least with these first four, with WandaVision and Loki on one hand and Black Widow and, and Falcon on the other. So, Brett, what do you what do you think? Which yeah, which side, which branch are you more invested in? So a couple of things. One, I haven't seen Black Widow or well, I, I started Falcon Winter Soldier. I haven't finished. So it's clear which branch I'm more into. Right. Yeah. Which is more when I try to watch Black Widow and it's like, oh, pay Disney more money. I'm like, I could wait until whatever the fuck it is that I can watch it for free with Disney Plus. 
but you make a good point. And I, I was looking into it a little bit. So there's the writer, Stephen McFeely, you know, this person, Marvel um, writer. Is this the guy who's going to go on to do Dr. Strange or is this the I mean, guy? No, this is one of the guys who did um, all the, he's the, on, he's the on other Thor. movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's been end game and, and infinity war. And he worked with the Russos he, essentially. He did like, yeah, he did all the, he was involved, had his hands on all the captain America movies going back to first Avenger with the winter soldier. Like he's had his fa- hands in the Marvel pot for a long time. Right. So I found some, I was just looking at some articles and there were some quotes from him about how up to this point we have like in phase three, all these movies leading up to one big event. Like we saw Thanos a little bit in a couple movies, right? Like end credit scenes, guardians of the galaxy and that sort of thing. And then finally we got the big Thanos event, right? We got infinity war, but now moving forward, they're trying to shift it and have like several little storylines, right? Like multiple interconnected large events And like you're saying, it couldn't be more clear that that's what's happening right now. So there's going to be potentially some connection with these different storylines, right? But in the end, it's still going to be multiple things going on, multiple huge events, which I think is rather exciting. But then kind of looking a little bit more specifically into like this whole WandaVision Loki thing, it really feels like Marvel is going to go really out there, right? We're, we're almost at like Eternals, right? We're going super, super out there. We're not like little Captain America, right, anymore. So th- I think they're trying to help the audience dip their toes in a little bit. And especially after Loki, WandaVision feels even more of just like a little tide pool for us of what it's going to be like to potentially have multiverses and, you know, even more planets and gods, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, going from what you were saying, it's like it's it's funny that you group WandaVision and Loki together, because to me, all three of these properties before Loki seem to be very backwards facing. They seem to be like all just reflecting on like the events of the end of the Infinity Saga. And that's one of the things that really bothered me the most about Black Widow, which we haven't had a chance to discuss in depth, um, but of course, it's not that movie's fault that a pandemic happened and that it got pushed a year. That was supposed to be the first project. But when that movie comes out, like while we're still watching Loki, which seems to be saying of this whole new world, this whole new exciting set of events that we're following. And then we're like, OK, no, let's go back to looking backwards and let's flash back to these other things with these other characters. And sure, there's a little bit of setup for the future, but not really this I love this show so much and I, I really enjoyed WandaVision, but I think that I was the lowest on it out of the three of us whenever we did our episode on that. Um, because even that feels a little bit, uh, looking backwards. I like some of the, uh, flash that the show had, but I didn't really think the story entirely landed this. I was just all in. I mean, we'll talk about the ending of this show, but I think where the show exceeded was people just kind of sitting around and delivering exposition or talking about determinism for 45 minutes. And yes, I'll just listen to Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, just talk because if it's really fucking well-written dialogue and it's just like a good walk and talk, I'm in for that. It's funny. This story, like for being setting up this whole world of multiverses and everything, the show feels kind of small. I don't know if you guys felt that while watching totally the show. Totally agree with that. Totally I, I, agree think, with them, yeah. I think that's super deliberate 
and well done. Like, I, I think it, it just all comes back to like the TVA. Like if you try to think about the TVA too hard, you know, it's kind of a brain fuck, but then they have it all set up in this way. Visually it's like really bureaucratic and it's all really contained. It's like, Oh, you want to learn about this point in history and it's a file. It's a piece of paper. They make it tangible for us. Yeah. You know what this show reminded me a lot of, and I don't know if you guys got the vibes because I know both of you watched the show as well. I was, could not stop thinking about the first season of Legion while watching the show Legion down to gets way crazier than this, it gets though. crazier, but especially like the set design and the vibe, oh, yeah. like that Brown aesthetic, like kind of retro. Just kind of walking through and kind of making it feel like it's a small character study when you're dealing with superheroes that are basically gods yeah to to your point that you just brought up right about kind of the um the 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 large nature the the scale of this show um it's a perfect balance of still having it feel like it has these massive like consequential stakes but also this extremely small character study essentially of loki and that is what i gravitated the most um in this show is that that balance of those two things it's like this huge huge sprawling story that's not really it it is sprawling but it's presented in a way that is very intimate um and i think it's by far the best of the three disney plus shows like easily yeah i like that we're given again just back to like the tva's aesthetic i think it's super deliberate i don't know how it really looks in the comics too much i think it's like similarly bureaucratic but the way the technology looks like the screen with the timeline it's very much like you know little like baby blocks for us to kind of put together ourselves rather than it being super convoluted so brett what did you think uh what what were you expecting from this show going into it and how did it shake out in in the end overall so i i mean i the expectation i had a lot of it was based on like the trailers i i think my favorite part about this whole thing is just the way that it starts and it's going back to this idea of like picking up of the ramifications of old events of it picking up exactly when he gets the tesseract and blasts off he's like bye guys i'm going to my my spinoff like (laughs) that that conceit was like enough for me to like be super into it i think that's so so charming but i was expecting it to be more like almost procedural like they like hire him to do like some missions right just based on the trailer yeah adventure of the week type of deal that would have been great i would have watched the shit out of that show i think that would have been good of course because we have the owen wilson thing but what it ended up being more we could get more into this there's like the whole romance side of things and and this whole idea of like glorious purpose which i want to get into more later um i ended up liking it probably as much as i thought i would which was a lot but I always ask myself and I want to hear what you guys think about it is like separating the Marvel and Disney of it all from this just being a television show. And I, I I'm wearing like six pairs of rose colored glasses when yeah. I'm watching these. Yeah, I, I think that one of my favorite things about this show is that it represents something that for some reason, it seems to me like the movies were ashamed of in a way where every movie is this massive episode of television every marvel movie is just leading directly into the next one and that's my biggest take on black widow is that like it seems like just a piece of a whole 
because to me, like the, the parts that make up that movie are not as good as what they add up to be. Like I like certain pieces of it, but overall it just feels like kind of empty, even though I love certain parts of it because I couldn't help myself, but the entire time be thinking like, all right, what, how is this going to tie into the other thing? Like we've been conditioned to just watch these movies that way. So my, my investment in that story wasn't as much. And, and they try to tell a contained story, but overall, like that's not really how we're being taught to process these movies. And a lot of people, I don't know hundred percent side with this take, but a lot of people say that that's why uh, Captain America, the winter soldier is the best Marvel movie because it tells this contained story uh, while still advancing the overall MCU plot. Love that movie. Not in my top five of the whole thing. Really? Well, it's Loki, like your top five. Wow. Maybe on a rewatch, I'll, I'll rethink it, but, but Loki is not trying to pretend. We know already we're getting a season two of this show. This is a show. This is a television show. And yes, it's doing massive things, huge, big budget things, but it's still telling a contained story. Uh, maybe because of COVID, I feel like that might be a big part of it. They couldn't go as big as they wanted because of COVID restrictions while shooting, but this very contained story in this huge way. And in a way that leans into it being a television show. Like, I feel like by the end of this thing, like it feels like a show, like it's not trying to be a six hour movie, TV event, whatever, limited series, like, you know, power to, to the shows that managed to pull that off. I think that's a great medium. Like mayor of East town is one of my favorite shows of the year. That's a contained story in seven parts. But this, it's like, it just seems like for some reason, Disney Plus is opening the gate to the MCU embracing what it is, which is the biggest television show ever made. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like this show does a really good job of balancing that line that you're talking about of setting up all this future stuff. I mean quantum mania and the new spider-man movie with 47 different people who have played spider-man in the past and the doctor strange movie it's setting up all this stuff up but also like it's kind of <sighs> mocking itself isn't necessarily the right word but in the very first episode of the show it just shows people using infinity stones as paperweights like it's kind of showing like oh like you cared about all this and none of this matters. And I kind of like that this is, it's willing to kind of look even more zoomed out than we thought was possible in this universe. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's clear that this is our favorite of the MCU TV shows. Where would you guys put this show? Like in the pantheon of Marvel properties, I mean, we barely talked about it. We get, we have so much, many thoughts to share, but if you're asking that so early in the pod, I'm just, uh, I'm just curious. Cause I mean, I wasn't going <laughs> to propose that until you said, you said captain, uh, that, uh, winter soldier wasn't in your top five, which is insane to me, but I, <laughs> I'd probably put Loki just shy of my top 10. Like, I think it's at number 12 right now or something. I'm sure it's it's probably in my top 10 somewhere. Yeah, I think I'd put it, I'm looking, so like my top five and or my top 10 right now is Avengers at number 10, 
uh, Homecoming, Iron Man, Guardians, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Guardians 2, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Endgame. I'd probably put it around that eight spot, like right around Guardians, like the first Guardians movie, I think in my rankings. Like, I think I enjoyed this more than uh, Homecoming or Avengers, the original Avengers movie. It's it's really well done, like top this, to bottom, the acting, the directing, the music, like it's just a complete fucking package. Yeah, I have on, like on that note, I have some specific questions for you guys just to hear some more thoughts. But one thing I wanted to touch on is you watch this show and it's very well acted. Um, a lot of people are like really sensitive to things that are poorly acted and it like totally pulls you out of it, but you're never going to watch one of these things and it's going to be like that. Right. And I'm wondering like what's going on at Disney that they're able to achieve <laughs> this. Is it really just like a budget thing? Like we're not talking like groundbreaking performances, but it's like always so solid. I, I feel like what you're getting at is essentially that like Feige's like flexing at this point. Like Endgame was such a massive achievement on every level, like financial success, like biggest movie of all time, huge unmatched hit. Also just a damn good, great movie. Also a climactic finale to this like 20 plus movie story. Like the dude is just like stroking his dick right now. Like I can't fucking lose. And so everything after that is like, as long as it's up to a certain standard, it's just gravy. It's just the cherry on top uh, after the fact. But what is happening now that we've finished this show and we watched the, the season one finale is that they're calling their shot in a way that's kind of different from the way they called it in the previous iteration, like Thanos showing up at the end of Avengers. It was a promise but in a way that feels or even Nick Fury showing up at the end of the original Iron Man, it's a promise. But in a way that feels like the way is the path isn't clear right here. Like we know the path is clear because they've shown us that they can do it. They just did it with Endgame. And now it's like with what happens in this show and everything we learn and everything that's set up, it's like. It's not the way it was before. Before it was like, we'll figure it out when we get there, as we get there. We'll, there'll be some stumbles. There'll be some Iron Man 2, some Thor of the Dark Worlds. You know, we'll, we'll get there somehow. Now it's like, y'all know that we already like did the thing in a way that nobody could ever do it before. Now we're going to let you know exactly how big we plan on getting and just watch us fucking do it. Right. And now the, the, the thing is the whole thing is set for them to just like pop off, which is crazy to me because in my head, I'm just like, there's no way they'll beat Endgame. Like there's no possible way that that will ever be matched. But with everything that this show sets up, they very well could. It's funny too, right? Like, the, they told us what they were doing. They announced, here's every Marvel movie we're making for yeah. the next four years <laughs> and, and all of this interior multi-dimensional shit. They just told us what we were doing. And the fact that Loki, that we are still like sitting there, like theorizing week to week, what's going to happen and following along so closely is kind of a testament to 
how good they are at working this machine at this point. Brett, what did you think of what Hunter brought up earlier about the 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 Infinity Stones in the in the as paperweights? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because you I, it, you you were putting so much weight into like Thanos. Like you're a, you're a Thanos guy. You're a thick yes. Thanos fatty mm-hmm. is what you are. Okay, for Thanos one, fatty. for one, I think Thanos was just a great character. Um, that's why he's my favorite. Uh, specifically, Infinity War, right? great movie but I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up you're a big fan and, of socialism though so it makes sense that you're just all about equality um just evil even rations for everyone pure wipe out genocide hunter, <laughs> yeah hunter, hunter mobley 2021 <laughs> okay so with the infinity i'm glad you brought that up because tying it back into the the infinity stone thing showing us the infinity stones and then going back to this idea of everything being an episode right so if every movie is an episode the show is still an episode, right? Right. And establishing that rule, right, with the Infinity Stones makes this like a bottle episode. It kind of like, you know, it breaks like a glow stick a little bit. It breaks this rule and it kind of puts up a wall around you. It it feels like it's tearing away some rules, but I think it puts you inside of the TVA even more, right? You're like, you know, imagine you're Loki and you're there, you have your guard up, right after everything you've been through with the infinity stones. And then they show you that. And it's, you almost relax a little bit. Like your, your power is totally removed, right? What you thought was the power of all powers is removed. And that's what it's supposed to do to me. Right. As somebody who's really into Thanos and really into the infinity stones. But did that feel good? Did you feel like that was a good thing? Like you were excited or did you feel like cheated in some way? I think it's both. And I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think you're supposed to get that little cheated feel. Right. It's you're, you're supposed to be like, Hey, fuck you. Like, wait a minute, all these infinity stones, what's going on here. Right. Because then you're like this, whatever entity, this TVA is, is much more powerful, right. Significantly more powerful than the infinity stones. So we're, we're pretty much talking about the first episode right here, which is the introduction to the TVA setting up like kind of the, the broad strokes of the story that's going to be told introduced to mobius owen wilson who's fucking awesome in this show um and this idea of like loki's actions and choices in his life being sort of sort of predetermined right part of the sacred timeline that if anything is out of line you get pruned into the tva the time variance authority and you get taken out of the timeline because you strayed too far and that's that's kind of this 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 first episode is just like laying out the the groundwork and also introducing the idea of like this this ominous hooded figure that's attacking TVA agents and early on in this show you know the idea of of this being sort of like um you know this buddy cop chase story of this like mysterious figure that seemed really promising and you get to episode 2 which is essentially like the whole episode is centered around that. Like they even go to Pompeii, which is like, holy shit. You see the fucking Pompeii volcano erupt. And you're just like, is this what the show is going to be? We're just going to go to like different, uh, you know, uh, different natural disasters and just kind of see what's going on there. Yeah. Or like major, major historical events. Uh, I was almost wondering if the show is setting up like a catch me if you can kind of thing. Like we're just kind of like searching around trying to find who this hooded Loki is. 
which and we don't, don't even know it's a Loki it's, at first. Mm-hmm. Then we find yeah. out like, oh, it's a Loki. That's that's why we need Loki to hunt a Loki. And then at the end of episode two, it's revealed that in fact it is a Loki, but it's played by a completely different person. It's not Tom Hiddleston. It's Sofia DiMartino, female Loki, Sylvie, which is just like so exciting. It's like, oh, all right, we're doing this. Like, that's great. We're doing a female Loki. And the ending of, of episode two, when she opens that portal and, and Tom Hiddleston, and our, our Loki, follows her, it gave me this feeling that I almost never get in these movies, which is like anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Like the ending of episode two and then that whole week waiting until episode three, it was just like, I have no idea what's coming. This show is giving me that feeling of like total excitement, like sense of surprise. And I, I really loved it. Like from then on, I was just like so hooked every week with that feeling. And that's, they really nailed it. That's, that's really interesting. It's making me think like the core of that feeling is Sylvie being this character. We don't know anything about, right. He's going with this character that we don't know. He doesn't know. Right. But all these other characters we're getting are announced way ahead of time, right? We know we're getting like Fantastic Four eventually, right? So is that feeling going to come from those little characters in between the big ones in the future? Probably. I mean, I think so. like, well, Brett, you're like one of the most plugged in people I know to Marvel stuff. Like, do you did you know this story of the Sylvie character and the different Lokis, because this is based on some Marvel lore that does exist out there. Yeah. So I don't, I don't read the comics, but I tend to, I'll read articles and I'll go watch videos that are talking about the comics and potentially what's going to happen. And so I knew, I knew ahead of time based on the trailer that it was going to be like the female Loki, right. They showed like the whole president Loki thing. So that's like its whole other mm-hmm. run in the comics, I believe. And we didn't really get much of that. Um, yeah, so there's there's a little bit that you could you could derive ahead of time, lots of little clues and things like that to let us know what's coming. But I'm I'm always at a little bit of a crossroads. Like, do I want to look too deep into it and basically right. spoil myself, or just wait for it? Well, the MCU always does a good job of like kind of pulling the broad strokes from the mm-hmm. comics and still like having their own spin on it. So you obviously know like you know where it's the inspiration comes from but that's not exactly the way it's going to play out in the the MCU. Um, One other thing, I mean, you mentioned Owen Wilson, who is just fucking incredible. And the show is so good. I mean, him and Tom Hiddleston, of course, like they have incredible chemistry, but also I want to give shouts to Gugu and Bathara who plays uh, Ravona Renslayer, who's also introduced as the judge in uh, episode one and the, their scenes together are so good. Like I could just watch just the two of them just be in the same room and talk about their kind of connection and how they know each other from the, like, I want just to see their past and see the two of them meet for the first time and develop a relationship because it's just, their chemistry is electric. It's so good. So then we get episode three, um, which is an entire episode devoted to the, our two Lokis sort of getting to know each other. Uh, they're stuck on this planet called Lamentus one or two. I don't remember what it is. It's, it's a planet that is colliding into another one. And it's a Lamentus one. 
and everybody's going to die. Um, and I saw a lot of people say that this episode was not as good as the first two, but it is an essential episode to this entire story because it's the one that like slows everything down. It pumps the brakes all the way on the TVA and Owen Wilson and, and Renslayer and every, and everybody there. And it's just like, let's just put these two people together for an entire episode and have them just talk and collide and, you know, get on each other's nerves and try to uh, outsmart each other and ultimately uh, survive because it, it, have you guys ever seen the movie um, Melancholia or heard of this movie? The Lars von I've Trier heard, movie? I, yeah, I've never seen it. Th th this is a movie about a, uh, a planet that is colliding with Earth. And essentially like these these women, these two sisters who are going through like the immense depression and anxiety of the event. It's like this big metaphor. But essentially like it has this visual of like this, you know, incoming collision planetary collision and this episode reminded me a lot of that and a lot of people have also been um linking it to richard linklater's before sunrise yeah i was gonna say that's i mean that's the thing that i couldn't help but stop even to the point where it's like will you get on the train with me like that moment <laughs> is just straight up taking it from before sunrise but hey they're worst movies to rip off than before sunrise yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I just love the fact that like, we just get an entire episode to like, just have these two characters talk. And we'd gotten a lot of extended scenes in the previous two episodes of Loki and, and more and Mobius talking uh, about, you know, like fate and free will and determinism. Uh, the idea of like our choices being on rails and we can't stray from those rails uh, and then just tying to this character. Like that's the other thing about this fucking show is that like, we have already an idea of who Loki is going into this show and the story and the themes play off of that. This his, idea, go ahead. Sorry. So his, like his arc is so in our face, like, especially like episode one. Um, and through this point, it's like very clear. They're shoving in our face. Like, Hey, this is the Loki, you know, right? This is all the shitty stuff he did. And then kind you of. Start, We've known a couple of different Lokis throughout the movies, right? Like Thor Loki is not an Avengers Loki is not the same as like Infinity War Loki, right? Or Ragnarok. But the, the, the key is like he can never be trusted. Mm -hmm. That's like the key thing with this yes. Loki, right? And but you you hear uh, Tom Hiddleston talk and that's his that's how he starts to develop, right? Which is super, super fun to watch. And you're right, like this episode three definitely felt really, really slow. But I guess it's, you know, developing this this relationship, this chemistry with them. I, I will say this is I mean, now pulling out and seeing just this being a six episode run. This episode is essential, but this was probably my least favorite of the six, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, it has an awesome like single take action sequence. Oh yeah, end. no that that oneer is great. Yeah. Like there are some, there's still some awesome moments in the show. I mean, this is a show that I I love, um, but I think that from this going into four, five, and six, I think that the show jumps up a notch 
in my head. Like I was really enjoying the show for the first three and then episode four happened and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So we're going there with this show. Like I'm, I'm in now on this. One, one more point about ep three before we move on is I just love that because like I've, I've like been of two minds of Disney plus the MCU on the Disney plus um, because a lot of um, WandaVision that we talked about this, the stuff that wasn't Wanda and Vision, it seemed of lesser quality than like anything we've seen in the movies. I know there's some like corny ass shit in the movies, uh, but it just seemed very TV-esque. And there was like tinges of that in Falcon and Winter Soldier too. Um, but this episode it made me appreciate the hell out of the fact that this is, uh, again, my point, it's a television show, right? It's not a, this huge movie, but the fact that like, we just get to spend more time with these characters. Like we wouldn't have the time in a movie to just have these two people just talk for almost a whole hour. That would never happen in a movie. Maybe we'd get like a scene or two, right? But an entire, you know, 50 something minute episode, 40 something like that would never happen. Yeah. Imagine if they like they took this dialogue and it was supposed to be in a movie and they were asked by a producer, like cut this down by 98 percent. Yeah. So it could fit in the movie. You're totally right. Exactly. Exactly. So like now I'm just like, okay, there are some serious. There are some serious benefits to this being on TV in this form on Disney plus. And like, we're going to get to it any, any minute now, but just like this feels like extremely consequential to the MCU, the mm -hmm. way the show ends. So it's not like, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who like, will keep watching the movies without engaging with anything Disney plus related and still get a lot of enjoyment about, uh, about them. But this feels like, holy shit, this is an integral part of the story moving forward. I do want to I want to say that at the very end, because I have a lot of questions about the future of MCU that we'll have to dive into and how Loki is going to affect all that. But I want to finish going through the episode recaps first. So episode four is the Nexus event, which, again, just kind of returns us back to the TVA um, after an episode away. And we get, um, you know, more action with with Ravona and Mobius and we get um, the reveal of the the timekeepers at the end, which was a yeah. huge moment because they were being set up as like, you know, these, these overseers of the timeline, you know, the sacred timeline, the three timekeepers. And of course just seemed very natural to the way the story was being told their sham, their little um, stand in robots. And it, it was it was a great reveal. And we just get some great character moments again with kind of selling this version of Loki as this anti-hero because they, they kind of had to fast track him. Like, obviously, like I said, we know this version of Loki from the later movies, but this is the 2012 Loki from um, Avengers trying to destroy New York. So they kind of had to like fast track that a little bit. And, you know, who knows how the time works in the TVA. There's like one moment, I think in the fifth episode where Loki's like, have I been here for a week or a month? I'm not sure. So they yeah. got to advance those, those beats. 
There's um, so one thing I wanted to ask you guys because I got like big Star Wars The Last Jedi vibes from this episode in particular, and for certain things from the show about just that whole this Snoke he set up, he's the real big bad, this is the person, and then it's just like you'd just fucking kill him. The whole idea of like killing the past isn't isn't exactly what this show is trying to do but going back to using the infinity stones as paperweight saying like this is nothing like it's i kind of it's a little bit dismissive of the old marvel that we were watching but not in a disrespectful way i think there's a reason why like i mean i love the last jedi it might be my favorite star wars movie ever um but there's a reason why people aren't acting so aggressively against the way that Loki is kind of dismissing some prior Marvel content as opposed to what that Star Wars film did with the wider nerd community. For for me, as, as far as that like an ending sequence with the timekeepers, I called it immediately when they walked in the room, I said they're fake. Like I, I, I'm sure it has something to do with like the way it's directed and shot, right? With all the steam and everything, and that was like totally Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it was very like, Wizard like, of yeah, Oz. Yeah, like yeah, it's like Snoky, but this is like 1,000 percent just like Wizard of Oz, right? Thought it was really cool. Like the way that they look, you're like right away, you're like something's not right here, obviously, right? Um, but but going going back to this thing of setting up Loki and and his character arc, everything everybody else talks about up to this point is like about loki's past and everything that comes out of loki's mouth is like how he's changing but i think he's doing like a ton with his facial express expressions like oh yeah looking back on the show i think that's where a lot of the character development is coming from like i i really Man's think a good did, actor i think he did like a fucking great job i want it maybe we could save this for after the episode recaps but i just wanted to talk about directing in general there's a lot of really deliberate choices as far as shots like from underneath people things like that that you guys might know a little bit more about and understanding the impact they um they really like leaned into making this show as visually interesting as possible whereas with a lot of um other marvel properties they had like a stock look that it has to stick to um for it to you know be like visually uniform throughout all the movies this one you know there's plenty of times that it still fits in that template but it seems like they let the the themes of of you know the the multiversal variant uh you know kind of infinity uh possibilities bleed into the the look of the show as much as possible while still feeling very much like a Marvel movie. Um, like what Hunter was talking about earlier with like reminding you of, um, of Legion, right? Mm -hmm. Like Legion is an extremely like visually adventurous show. This doesn't even come close to that, but it's like heading in that direction of like embracing how much um, these movies can look and sound as much like a comic book feels like to read. Right. You know, this idea of like anything is possible and it can it can look and sound um, in any way that is unbound, only bound by your imagination. Um, 
And I so, mean, got to give credit to Kate Aaron. I mean, she directed music. all six episodes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. She, I, Marvel does this all the time where they bring in these kind of directors who have only made indie projects or smaller things. She's done a couple of stuff. She did a show uh, a couple of years ago called sex education. Um, she did daybreak. Uh, was another TV series that she worked on five by five. But I mean, these are all like small television mini series kind of spots. And, you know, sometimes these work out when Marvel takes a risk like this. Sometimes they don't. But I think that she had such a perfect understanding of how this show needed to look and feel. And she completely nailed it. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Natalie Holt is the one who did the music. Which oh, I yes. Think is, and the music works hand in hand with the look and feel of oh, this movie or this God, show. The, we were listening to some of the songs before we started recording. And my God, they just got such a cool sound for this show. The music is phenomenal. It might honestly be some of my favorite music in the entire MCU. Like, holy crap. Yeah, it just apart- like, hits you. Apart from like the main Avengers theme that just like grabs my nuts whenever it plays. Yeah. This is like definitely up there, like stylistically, this visually and everything put together with the music just works so freaking well. Like again, with the TVA, how they made them look like this super retro bureaucratic style. And a little fun fact, that elevator that they go in, I think it's like in the first episode is that the, I think it's like the Marquee Hotel in Atlanta. And I stayed there like a couple of years ago. Yes, oh, really? I've definitely oh, seen that before. <laughs> so when, yeah, when I uh, watched the trailer, I was like, that looks fucking familiar because you stay in that hotel and it looks really nuts. So they like match the look of that TVA building to the actual hotel. It's super, it's, super cool. It's choice. in the airport, right? No, it's not. Oh, okay. It's like uh, downtown. Don't listen. I, to me. Good thing you stay there when you did, because I have a feeling that's now going to be at least an extra couple hundred dollars a night to stay in that hotel. Now, You're like this is the elevator from Loki. Yeah, I'm in the TVA. <laughs> um, so then episode five. Well, yeah, one other thing about uh, episode four, because I think this is like really when this show starts to turn. We talked about the death of or like them murdering the fake timekeepers. But uh I mean, Loki gets fucking pruned. Mobius gets pruned because they start to it starts to get revealed that all the workers for the TVA are variants themselves. And uh, I really love. um, Do you guys have it pulled up uh, who the woman is who plays um, uh, Hunter B. Hunter B. 15. Yes. Mm -hmm. Are Um, you are you Hunter B. 69? That, that's you, right? That's me. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. me. You got it. Um, yeah. I still am not in. Uh, I'm still just kind of just a cog in the machine. Oh, uh, Wunmi. Uh, Mosaku. Mosaku. Yeah, she is great. She's got like a fucking face that like I could not take my eyes off anytime that she was talking. I know she was in Lovecraft Country. Did, did you guys ever see Lovecraft Country? Saw the first ep. Need to need to keep watching that. Didn't know there'd be a Lovecraft Country reunion in the show, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so let's let's try to race to that. So episode five uh, is the one where they're in essentially the uh, what do they call it? The void at the end of time. The void. Mm-hmm. A lot happens in this episode. This is an insane episode of television. Like this is when I was just like losing my shit. Like this is this show fucking rules because it 
I don't know. It, it has this, uh, it does two things, right? It sets up the idea of like a bunch of different versions of the same character. I guess Sylvie had already done that, but this like runs away with it. And it also like, uh, does it in this very like small matter of fact kind of way. Again, that's the point I made at the beginning, extremely contained story, but just on this massive canvas, what we're seeing here is Loki meeting a bunch of alternate Lokis who have all banded together to survive the wrath of Elioth. Is that right? Yeah. Elioth. This giant smoke monster that just devours everything that comes into the void, which is rendered incredibly like the visuals in this episode are some of the best shit I've ever seen in a television show, which is not fair vibes. Some lost smoke monster vibes. Yeah, but this looks so much better than that. Like it was 2006 when they made that show. So let's give lost a little bit of a break. Um, it's it's phenomenal. It is so good. It, not that much happens throughout the bulk of the episode other than like meeting all of the different Lokis. Um, but everything looks just incredible. It's and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I, I like that they set up how like different the Lokis really are. Like all of these different Lokis are so so different. You know, they're not just a bunch of Tom Hiddleston's necessarily, right? And I was thinking a lot while watching, especially at this point in the show, how our, our normal Loki, Loki, who I refer to as Tom, is just wearing like the most normal business casual clothes possible. Yeah, TVA uniform. So he's kind of like, I think that just helps us stay in his shoes among all the craziness. Like it helps us identify with him uh, as he moves along this crazy journey. And this episode is so fun, just dropping him in, you know, sitting in this room of characters, right? It feels pretty natural. And uh, those characters are Richard E. Grant as um, classic Loki wearing classic the spandex, Loki. the spandex, uh, alligator Loki, <laughs> which <laughs> is my favorite thing I've ever seen. Just an uh, incredible bit. Like just it, it, he doesn't even do that much. It just like flashes around like I'm going in. Are you? And they're like, yes, I'll follow you. And it just goes to the alligator. He's like, nah. <laughs> And they're like, yes, he says that will come with. (laughs) Instead of getting like a Porg or a BB-8 or a Baby Yoda, it's a very much like, fuck you, you're getting, you're getting an alligator. (laughs) This is an alligator with a crown. Yeah. We love, we love to see it. Um, We also get boastful Loki, who we don't get enough of because, you know, he just kind of gets lost in the mix during the the action sequence. And then kid Loki, who I'm sure will probably return in the future because i'm sure uh a lot of people know yeah a lot of people are saying that like he's a big part of what could become like the young avengers and for that we could talk more about young avengers too but i didn't know that i do love like one of his best because that does make sense because everybody's looking up to like kid loki and they're like oh yeah what did you do and he's like i killed thor yeah, <laughs> just like, oh, such, shit. okay that's Damn. such a good line the way that's directed <laughs> and delivered because i think he like turns around or something he like walks up to the camera it's like a close-up and he's like i killed thor yeah like from this little kid oh, I, that's 
there, there's so many like fantastic moments going back uh, again. I, I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but this idea that quality for directing, acting, whatever is super smooth and acceptable, right? It's always solid. I think there's just like a shit ton of handholding going on directing wise. Like I think they're bringing in these smaller directors maybe, but I think like Feige's always there or, you know, mm. Feige's people are always there making sure that they're hitting these certain notes and these moments. Well, this is where I think that it works really well to have, to bring in a smaller director because uh, Kate brings in like a sense, uh, like an indie sensibility, a small sensibility to this big story where it doesn't work so well is whenever you bring in somebody and you're like, okay, now make uh, captain Marvel and just make just a superhero movie that doesn't really have the, small uh kind of contained drama elements of a uh smaller indie film yeah but you're this, totally because right because the show has a chance to breathe more it gives gives the director a little bit more to do i mean just look at black widow right black widow is around two hours long maybe a little a little more than that closer to maybe 210 220 that is about a third of the runtime of this show so this show has three times the length of Black Widow, which means it has three times the amount of opportunity to just have actors act and not have its runtime devoted to extensive action sequences. I, I think you're right. I think that's that's the big like in my head. I'm thinking like what's stopping this from just being mashed together into a movie. And that's that's the answer. Yeah. Is those yeah. sorts of sequences. I mean, I haven't seen uh, her other films, Kate Shortland, who made uh, Black Widow, but I've heard great things about Lore and Somersault, uh, two of her films that she made before Black Widow. And some of the smaller moments do work, but then again, it's like, oh, we have to be a superhero thing. And it just kind of feels like two different uh, ingredients that are just kind of mashed together. And they're like, all right, and we do have to keep this under 222. So like, let's get this going. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I appreciated several moments of black widow that were just people sitting in a room talking, but there's not enough of that to like really get the movie fully across the finish line for me in this show. There's just extensive, sequences and episodes that's just that like let's just get to know these characters have them get to know each other have them try to like trust each other and develop some type of connection that's what really makes this this show sing so uh, so get bringing it back to the show what are what's your favorite variant richard e grant 100 i mean yeah gator loki Me is there glorious purpose um what is it the is it the end of this episode where he has his moment i believe it is yeah where he right. he like it is it's so good he this fucking guy creates an illusion amazing. of asgard just right there just glorious purpose so, i mean that's why you get a classically trained actor like richard e grant to stand in front of a green screen or mandalorian uh volume or wherever the fuck they are to just you put the camera right in his fucking face and you're like, all right, buddy, this is why we cut you that $60 million check. This is why we bought you that Island that you're going to escape from when the flood comes from climate change. This is why you're wearing the spandex baby. Let's go, let's sell it. And he 
owns it. It's amazing. Make your money, King. That's uh, that's probably my favorite part of the whole show. Like whoever decided to cast him was absolutely fucking genius. I'm just going to tell myself it's Feige because Daddy Feige. Like it just works so well. He's showing so many things are happening at once, right? There, there's a, a before when he mentions like you know daggers are stupid to a Loki because we have magic, but since almost all Lokis die before they could get to that age. We don't really see the potential of the Loki. And then we get it right here. They're like, this is what a Loki is capable of right before we see what our Lokis are capable of. Right. He's like inspiring them. It's so special. And he mentions like glorious purpose. I love this. There's like a few themes in this show that are just touched on so well, this idea of glorious purpose. And I want to, I'll wait to the finale, but here's our example, right? This Loki very clearly has found his purpose, right? And he dies. Well, he he does he witnesses himself, right? He says, witness me, and yeah. then he's gone. Right. It's it's a good little anecdote that he tells when like when we get a, a peek into his backstory, where essentially like we could see this being essentially the same Loki that we saw in the movies, the Tom Hiddleston Loki, up until the point where our Loki dies in Infinity War and he sort of lives on, he like fakes his death. And you know, we're talking about a frost giant slash Asgardian god lives eons beyond that and then decides that he's tired and lonely and wants to return back to the life that he escaped from. And then that's when he gets pruned by the TVA. Um, but that that notion of just like we see a tinge of the Loki that we know in this guy but it's clouded by so much added layers of time and and you know who knows how much time it could be like just yeah. literally millions of years <laughs> this is this is the kind of choice that's like perfect to make with what we have like the what we're given up to this point right is all the different variants and all that and to show to tell so much about our main character through what this person does like there's not a lot of other ways to do that without weird time travel flashback multiverse kinds of thing right i think this is a really good example of creatively advancing our character without him even like being on the screen right well this is the other big thing i wanted to bring up that is like essentially we are telling the story of one character And I know that for the bulk of this show, it does feel like this two piece because it is, you know, Sylvia is very different. And then, you know, the perspectives that the other variants bring are also very different. And the choice of making them look very different, right? Like we have an alligator in the mix. Like, like you said, these are clearly not all Tom Hiddleston. So that's, you know, that's a, a big choice to prime us for that idea of entirely different beings occupying the same space of the same character which is kind of like a weird idea to exactly wrap your mind around but but essentially like this is a character study and the the things that we learn from sylvie and from classic loki and from everybody that that and all the other variants and whatnot um it's sort of all informing what we know about this one character and and basically what you just said about how when classic Loki sacrifices himself, he's showing Loki and Sylvie how much potential they have 
their glorious purpose and what might that might look like. And that is as consequential for that character for Richard E. Grant, as it is for our own Loki, because they're the same person, even though they look completely different. Um, yeah. Hunter, did you have anything else to add before we move on to the big one? Um, no, I mean, you guys like really did a good job of uh, kind of encapsulating what makes this episode so special. Um, Cause it really does like, this is kind of in a weird way, a bottle episode, like this episode, like it's just about them. Like, okay, they were pruned, but you know, like Loki's not really dead. So we're just kind of going to have a penultimate episode with some action and everything else. Like it could have easily not worked as well as it did, but because of the performances and the way that it looks. And I think the part of the reason why the aesthetic works so well is because it's so starkly different from anything else that we've seen in the show so far, um, where we've had these very nice, lots of interiors, very warm color palette. And then we go to this void where everything is white and bleak and there's nothing really, no sign of hope or warmth anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. The, the sort of subtle shift in the, in the color palette to sell the, the idea of this being a much different setting than, um, than the TVA. That's a great point. Um, so I'm just, I let's talk about episode six. I want to talk about my guy. Um, so can I just, get... can I just pat myself on the back real quick here? <laughs> Cause I just want to listeners can go back and listen, uh, a couple years ago, I think it was 2019 when this movie came out last black man, San Francisco was released. And at the time on that episode, I said, Jonathan Majors is a fucking movie star. And within five years, he will have an Oscar win or he will be in a Marvel movie. And I just want to go ahead and pat myself back for calling that one because this well, guy this is in a movie. A, so well, it's not, okay. what, what so, he's so, already yeah, sorry, he's in a movie. He's going to be the main villain in Quantumania. And it looks like he's like being set up to be a major bad in the Marvel universe going forward. Like Majors he could be. Bad. Yeah. So, okay. So before, (laughs) before we even, before we even get to Jonathan majors, just everything that happens ahead of time, especially the opening Marvel sequence is way different than anything we've had. Yeah. It's like, um, so cool. (laughs) It's like the, it's the, um, the song that Peggy and, and cap and Steve dance to, right. So it starts Mm -hmm. with that. And we have, we get a ton of quotes from within this timeline that we know and love. Yeah. We get quotes from everybody. And then we get a quote from like Greta Thunberg and Nelson Mandela, you know, and some philosopher or something. Right. So I was right already away, like, like, I, like seizing out at that point. I didn't care. I didn't, yeah. that didn't even register with me. I was like, I, oh I, my I, God. I turned to an end. I was like, have any of the other episodes had these whispers during this no. opening sequence? It's a really fun choice to make where everything is bubbling up to this last episode. And it's like this reminder of everything that's happened so far within this little timeline that we've been in. So, so let's actually back up a little bit more because the way episode five ends is uh, after classic Loki sort of sacrifices himself with the Asgard um, illusion thing that he does. Distraction. Uh, they managed to enchant Elioth, um, and by doing so, they're able to reveal the portal um, to where 
we go in episode six. So I want to know, like, you know, the idea of these, we talked about this with, with WandaVision too, with these shows releasing on a weekly model, the, the, the space in between each episode, the week of speculation and conversation that happens, I think reached like a fever pitch in between episodes five and six of Loki. Like, I don't think anything, uh, well, okay. Maybe Evan Peters showing up at the end of that one episode of WandaVision was like the closest thing. That was by far the biggest brain fuck of my entire life. Yeah, that was, that was crazy, but that ended up not really, you know, they ended up not really being much of a, it was more of just like a fun little like Easter egg than it was a major plot point that it was Evan Peters. No, but we're seeing how it's that much more consequential based on what we're getting right now. That is true. Yeah. That the 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 X-Men universe is actually a multiverse of this. (laughs) I have so many questions with that though, because like would Ralph Boner meet uh, Quicksilver from no I think it's I think what happened there is we have Wanda who we, now we know to be a nexus being who's able to you know transcend these timelines she doesn't know her powers very well so she did some fuckery even she doesn't understand I could see that that's that's what I think the, happened there the thing that that that, Kai, that Feige and, and Co do is like they're able to keep their options open Right. Mm-hmm. So right. what we saw in WandaVision could easily be just like a one-off gag yep. or it could be a fundamental way to tie things back to the X-Men movies, which by the way, I just rewatched days of future past last night. Cause it was just like on TV doesn't hold up. Yeah. We could well. just like, we don't need to bring those in. Like those, <laughs> right. are, those like, are good dead. Like we yeah, can like, start we could fresh. Just move, exactly. We just move on from we could have ma- all of that. We could have still had Evan Peters and put him right. somewhere else, but now we lost Evan Peters. But, <laughs> but the week between Eps five and six, how did you guys feel? Because like the seeds were laid for Kang, like anybody who was paying attention this was not a Mephisto out of nowhere bullshit that people are trying to pull out of their ass um, to try to cover up for Agatha being the clear uh, narrative conclusion to whatever mysteries were in, in WandaVision. Um, people were like, oh, no, Agatha is too obvious. It has to be fucking Mephisto. And we talked about that whenever we, we yep. covered that show. But this, I think, is different because like, it, it it just seemed like from the very beginning, from the 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 little Miss Minutes animation that introduces the the TVA to us, like the seeds are laid from that point. I think so. We see this castle in the uh, the the portal that they're walking into at the end of Ep Five, and it's just like the Kang alarms are going off for everybody because it just seems like the narrative uh the ultimate narrative place uh for the story to go like the natural evolution of of what's being of the 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 road that's being laid out so you know how do you guys feel about that were you part of that like kind of kang is coming crowd or were you kind of more like me where I wasn't fully buying into that because I was still thinking like, they're not going to, this is still a Disney plus show. They're not going to give us like the next big bad in a Disney plus show. And, 
And this is still a Loki story. Like, mm. why would we set up Ant-Man 3 at the tail end of a show that's about Loki? Like, it has to be contained to the things that have been set up. We can't just bring in a brand new character that we've ever met. Like, what were your thoughts like going into this final episodes with this whole King thing? So I'll say, because I feel like I didn't do as much kind of digging on like Reddit and looking through theories and stuff like that as a lot of people did. That's just, I did some, but kind of like what Brett was talking about earlier about not wanting to spoil yourself. Mm -hmm. I kind of refrain. I'd like to theorize with myself, but but not consult too much to like the people who have read every comic and know where certain story threads are going. But you keep up with Hollywood reporter and you know, Jonathan Majors had been cast in Ant-Man 3, right? I didn't know that, but here's the, well, another thing, and I didn't know this until afterwards, because, I mean, I read some comics, but to be honest, most of the comics I've read in my lifetime are X-Men comics, so I don't know a ton about, especially the deep metaphysical kind of Marvel universe, but it seems like one thing that kind of did throw a lot of people off is that they combined characters in this universe i was talking with um my uh my brother-in-law who is a huge huge comic book dude like he's uh he's in his 40s and he has read comics his entire life just deep deep into the lore of everything he (laughs) and so he was telling me all about how like this is actually a mortis that we're seeing it's not kang kang is actually a variant of a mortis so i think that that's what people were possibly thrown off by is that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang, but there was no anybody mentioning of Immortus. And by the way, in the episode, they don't say Immortus or Kang. They just call him he who remains. Right. Yeah. So on, on that note again, so same with me after that episode, after episode five, I really didn't want to go digging because I didn't want spoilers. I knew Kang was coming because as soon as they mentioned the TVA, as soon as the TVA was teased, we knew Kang was coming, right? And then the Jonathan Majors casting. Um, that all makes sense. But it again, seemed, we technically... It seemed obvious, right? Like the fact that, that Ant-Man 3 is like a ways away, like 2023, I think. It's so far. So this was really, really genius where they give us Jonathan Majors. He says the word conqueror. He goes, some call me blah, 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 conqueror, right? Like Kang the Conqueror. He says that. But we didn't actually get Kang. We got we got a combination of he who remains and Immortus, mm-hmm. uh, And I believe Immortus Nath- is a Kang variant. Who's like yeah. kind of more mm-hmm. neutral. It's Nathaniel Richards. Is yeah. The Nathaniel characters. Richards. Yeah. yeah. Is, is the person. Right. But then he who remains, I don't think is actually Nathaniel Richards. Um, yeah. We have this like weird joining of these characters and yeah, I, I really didn't want any sort of spoilers here. If I didn't have to, even knowing that that King was coming, I was still surprised. I was still super, super stoked to see it. You know, so it was it was like a little nod to the, those of us who are paying attention to the castings like, hey, yeah, yeah, it's this guy. Right. We told you this guy was coming, but it's not really this guy yet. You know, it's a fucking variant, blah, blah, blah. I will. I squealed whenever I saw Jonathan Majors on my couch. I was like, oh, it's Jonathan Majors. Yeah. And then just hearing him have 15 pages of just <laughs> dialogue where he's just he's making Tom Hiddleston and uh, uh, um 
uh, uh, sorry, I'm blanking her name. Uh, the girl plays Sylvie. Um, Sophia DiMartino. Sophia DiMartino. And making them just like sit there and talk, sit there and listen while he just like talks about like, mm, you know, you could kill me, but it could start a multidimensional war. He's so good, man. I fucking love Jonathan Majors so much. Yeah, I love how so happy they's here. Like the, the beginning of the show, it's, hey, you're on this timeline that we know everything that's going to happen. And then they start breaking off into these like Nexus event things, right? The disasters. And they're like, oh, you know, they've got some free will, right? And then it's like totally shattered when he like gives them the whole script of what they're about to say. Yeah, love literally the script of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, I have so many thoughts. So I will we, say we, like going into um, the episode, even like that whole week, I was thinking like, I don't want King. I want this show to, because obviously because we didn't know for a fact if a season two was coming. Like now that we know that a season two is happening, like I feel very, very different about the whole thing. But before then I was like, I don't want Kang. Like if we get Kang, it's going to be bad because we don't have enough time in this one episode to do Kang when we have so many other things with Owen Wilson and Sylvie and Ravona, like there's so many open threads that we need to tie up. There's no room for Kang. So that's where my head was at. Like, let's not do this because I'm so invested in this story that's being told right now with these characters that we've met throughout the course of the show. So when we get Kang early on in the episode, like we see there's this whole like Miss Minutes bit where she like pops up in front of the the this camera like a jump scare um we you know we get this whole thing but and then we meet jonathan majors as king it's like open the elevator doors boom he's right there um or i'm sorry he who remains um i was like huh all right we're doing this this quick this is this is not what i expected but my worries were pretty quickly dissolved as Jonathan Majors kept talking because my God, he is delightful. Like he is his energy is that energy that I talked about of like anything could happen next. Like he is just like kind of bouncing off the walls. There's a moment where he's like, he jumps on top of his desk. And the fact that like this whole, the bulk of this episode is just these three people just in a room talking and he he doesn't really let his uh, two actors, like you just said, Hunter, really do that much reacting to everything he's saying. Like literally the camera just like holds on him for extended sequences. And we don't even see our like two main characters, which honestly is a huge swing for this show to take to say like, hey, these two characters that you've been following, we're going to sideline them. The title character of the show not important in the finale. Yeah. We're just going to put him <laughs> off to the side for a third of the episode. We're going to hand this entire thing over to this guy that you just met. And he is going to completely hijack this story and take you in a direction that you cannot even possibly imagine. Like that's a huge risk. And I think that this entire episode would completely not work. It would completely fall apart if it wasn't for Jonathan Major's performance. Like he sells it because we, at least in my opinion, are never bummed 
that we're not getting enough time with our main characters in the final episode of this show of this season the whole time we're just zeroed into this guy and we're like listening to everything he's saying and it's extremely like dense expository dialogue that explains like who he is and his role and where he came from and the idea of like multiple versions of him fighting for control over the multiverse and it's this super dense thing and I was just eating up every word. I was like, yes, give it to me. The the vibe I got for sure was, I mean, yes, he he does a really fantastic job. He's really eccentric. Again, this is like one variant we're getting, but it's really like jokery. Like the vibe that mm-hmm. I got was very much like Joker, right? And that's what really keeps you on your toes. Like we're learning, how do you have somebody deliver a monologue of exposition in a way that works? It's like, you have to be a damn good actor to keep our attention. And they knew that they shot that whole thing and felt they didn't need to cut back to Loki and Sylvie, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, you are right. Like even going into this episode, cause I didn't know about the whole, the possible Kang reveal, which by the way, I don't know how that didn't get leaked that Jonathan majors was in the finale. I mean, I don't, in a world where shit just gets leaked left and right. I can't believe that didn't get leaked, but I'm so happy it didn't. I kind of had reservations about the finale going into it because I, the finale for um, WandaVision didn't really work for me very well. Again, I haven't seen Falcon, the War soldier uh, because I watched the first episode and a half and I was like, this show is not for me, but I've heard that the ending is bad for Falcon and the War soldier. Yeah, it's tough. A lot of, and even going back to that, like a lot of the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian season finales didn't really work for me very well either. Like I didn't think that those are the strongest episodes of the series or of the seasons. So I had my reservations going into it, but, and you are you're right like if this was a replacement level actor then i think this episode had the potential to be very very bad and just not work at all and feel like it's just pure setup for future marvel properties and feel unsatisfactory but when you have an actor like jonathan majors caliber giving these lines then it breathes a whole new sense of life into the show and now that Jonathan Majors introduced like he is one of my favorite actors alive he's now probably my favorite actor in the MCU right now so I'm just all in just talk as much as you want Jonathan I'll just like sit here and listen and we're gonna get different versions of him I'm excited for that I want to see like can we put him can he just be the bad in every future (laughs) Marvel property but like a different version of Jonathan Majors the dude's got fucking range he can do whatever he wants I think that's why he took this job because I I don't know if he would. I sometimes I wonder, like I was wondering this with Richard E. Grant too, is like, how did they end up here? Like, do they need the paycheck? Are they fans of the MCU and they just want to be involved however they can be like, how do they end up here? But smart majors is like, uh, that's a great investment. Cause I think that he is, I mean, he got more notoriety for being in defy bloods last year, which he was excellent in. But I think before that movie, nobody had ever seen that face before. And even still defy bloods. It's not like that was a star Wars movie or something. So for a lot of people, this is the first time they're ever going to see this actor. So it was a great investment for them. (laughs) 
I think the most perplexing casting in in that way is Owen Wilson for yeah. sure. Like, how the fuck does Owen Wilson end up here? <laughs> like, much <laughs> much more perfect. so than this, and it's it perfect. So, well. so yeah, you gotta you gotta ask that question. I don't know, but so w- watching this, like this idea, you mentioned like WandaVision finale not being as impactful, and I agree because when I'm watching these, and you you guys understand my motivations for watching these, those little pieces of candy, those little nuggets that I want are Kang appearing in the finale are Thanos in the end credits, right? It's those little connections like to split off into these other multiverses and possibilities, right? And they know that and they, yeah. they, they utilize that and they lean into that while still delivering on everything else. It's not just filler up until you get that nugget. They it, give yeah. you like meaningful storytelling, not Every time it's not a hundred percent hit rate. Like we've been alluding to with Falcon and, and even WandaVision or not WandaVision um, black widow for me is just like, like, that's not a, it's not a bad movie, but I just, the whole time I was sitting there, like I said, it's like, I just kept waiting for that nugget. Right. So it just like, when the enjoyment of the piece becomes contingent on like how well it's able to, keep you satiated until the next thing and like that's not a great way to watch a movie to be thinking like mm-hmm. okay how is this going to tie into phase four or whatever like that's not a good um um that's not a fair audience um uh participatory experience for the filmmaker in their inter- in their intentions but with this show you know, going back to my my thing about uh, how Feige's just flexing at this point, right. like him and his team are just flexing at a level that we've never seen before. It's like the fact that we definitively get Kang in this show and then he lays out the groundwork for Multiverse of Madness, for Spider-Man No Way Home, for... Uh, Ant-Man 3, Quantumania, maybe Love and Thunder. Like, we don't know how many of these are going to fall into everything that happens when Kang gets stabbed and the multiverses start to branch off. So that's that's the reason why I kind of disagree with you saying it's like it's unfair or not right to have those expectations. I think there's the expectations you have for the director of this show, and that's everything that's self-contained in the show. And then I have my own expectations for Feige right. and, and what that greater team as a whole is putting here right but i think they, this they, show does both things extremely yeah, well which yes, is not the case but, for every other mcu thing yes so when i watch wandavision i really liked wandavision but when i'm missing that piece you know when we don't get mephisto we just get a little bit of this nexus event <laughs> stuff again like they just barely allowed us to tip our toes in i'm like oh man i just want i wanted a little bit more of that crack in my veins yeah. you know a little bit of that how is this going to get me to fucking fantastic four and galactus you know that's what I'm looking for. Like that gets me fucking excited because every little piece of something there that we get getting King is another scene of having infinity stones as paperweights. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I, and that's, that's what I like about, I'm sorry, this is kind of a tangent, but uh, we've been playing Valheim and yeah. in games like that, what I think is so fun about video games like that RPGs is when you work for 10 hours getting equipment and then you hit a threshold where suddenly all that amazing equipment you had is garbage and you need to work on <laughs> yeah. the next thing. Right. And that's, what's exciting for me. I like hitting those thresholds. That's a so, great point. I feel like I, I see like both sides of what you guys are saying, because the thing is that 
you are right. Like that's not a fair way to watch a movie and think about what's next. But I think that that is a valid way to look at a TV show, which is what this is, or a valid way to look at the next issue of a comic book, which is really what these are becoming even more than television shows that these are feeling more and more like a comic book line where you're getting stuff and just like, Oh my God, like how is this going to lead to this thing? I know that we're saying it for, big battle X or whatever. Like, and that's how these things are being doled out. I think that, and you, we've been touching on this, but where the show exceeds is kind of writing that balance of doing both things at the same time. I like some of the smaller, um, stories of the Marvel universe, like Falcon, the Warrior soldier, a very smaller contained story is one of my favorite things ever. I also fucking love Endgame. I love whenever I get the satisfaction of all the pieces, all the toys that you have fighting each other at the very end and it all working very well. Civil War is my second favorite Marvel movie ever. Like, I fucking love that. And that's all about kind of that's like a season finale of of this Marvel television show that we've been following for the last 15 years. So I get both sides of that. Um I like aside from the Kang of this all uh, and where that goes with Sylvie killing uh, a mortis, he who remains, whatever we want to call him. Where does this lead us is the question, because I'm excited for what we're getting with the new Spider-Man and with uh, new Doctor Strange. Shout out to Sam Raimi. Fucking I'm, I'm hyped for these properties. But now that we have let the proverbial cat out of the bag of multiple universes and all these different timelines and things maybe not mattering because we can just snip that timeline and go somewhere else. Is this kind of, could this get out of Marvel's hands? Like, could this be too much at a certain point? Because the time, the time thing that's like, you just opened up a whole can of worms that could very easily go off the rails. It definitely could be. I mean, that remains to be seen. I, I think that the 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 likelier thing is that they're going to take their time. I think that this is building to probably Secret Wars, which is a bunch of multiverses uh, kind of colliding um, and, and, you know, going to war with each other. And I think that's where this is going. I think that that's probably going to be like phase five or six. Um, yes. But I think that they're just going to take their time. They're not going to rush to another end game type of climax anytime soon. I don't think that it's that's going to be it's going to be a bunch of separate ones, like I was saying earlier. And this is what I was talking about. We were talking about Endgame. We were talking about WandaVision, losing Iron Man, losing Cap. Are people going to care about something like the Young Avengers? Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the gymnastics, I think, moving forward. All is how characters. are yeah how are we gonna get you know what i think her name is kate like uh hawkeye's daughter mm-hmm. or something like Daily that right when we get it's i think it's like iron lad or something like that you know talking about kane you're you're also talking about uh the young avengers right so this is all and we already knew this was coming to fruition right so i think the biggest balancing act is going to be to get us to care about these characters and boy was this a good jumping off point with jonathan majors because mm-hmm. I definitely, even though we only had him, 
I, I was scrubbing through the episode. He gets like 10 minutes. That monologue is, uh, is massive. Incredible. Right. And it's just this one variant and he's gone. But yeah, I, I feel like there is a plan. Like I said earlier, like they, they know it's not going to be exactly like everything that came before where they were kind of just figuring it out as they went along. I'm sure there is a very clear plan as to how everything's going to play out. But I do think that they need contingencies, right? Like let's say for example, uh, I'm not hoping this happens, but just what if Eternals is bad? What if Eternals doesn't do well financially? I've been right? asking myself that all week. <laughs> what and if Eternals what, is bad? Yeah. Chloe Zhao, she actually kicked all the actors off set. It was like, I'm actually only working with non-actors for this Marvel movie. <laughs> we're, we're just going to go down to a local RV park and just talk to people. And that's that's your Marvel movie. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't hope that I want that movie to be great because I love Nomadland. Um, and I think that she's very, very talented, but there is that possibility of like, how much is going to be writing on that movie? What massive, you know, Kang type plot beats for the overall story are going to be in that movie. And if, is it, if any, right. And Mm. is it going to be one of those things where like, maybe they'll have to recalibrate if things don't quite work or even you could even say the same thing about multiverse of madness like what if that movie doesn't work what if no way home doesn't work you yeah know? what if well so my whole thing was because it seems like i mean again the audience for loki despite this being a huge huge television show it's still not the same audience as people who went and saw spider-man in the movie theater like it's just right. it's not so my question is for the wide audience, the people who are going to go out and make this a billion dollar film franchise from movie to movie, are they going to be interested in the story? And then for the television audience that are super invested in Loki are now doing all these theorizing and looking like fucking Charlie day on the whiteboard with all the strings going everywhere. Are they going to be satisfied with something like Shang-Chi which is the next Marvel thing that we have yeah. next major Marvel thing that we have. Cause I think that comes out, that comes out before Hawkeye, right? I know yes. what if, what if is coming out sooner, but that's an animated property that probably won't have quite as big of an audience. I don't um, think Hawkeye has a date attached yet. That's, okay. it's, it's such uh, a good question. But like it, how those two, they seem like we're like, we are reaching kind of a jutting off point ourselves on what Marvel we are going to get. And maybe it's going to be like all things for all people, but I don't know. So I think it's a question of doing right. Like Shang-Chi, like black widow, like myself, I told you, I, you know, if that was Eternals, I would have spent, you know, the $32 or whatever to watch it. But for black widow, I said, fuck it. Right. So the question is, are they dividing the audience or are they expanding the audience by doing this? I think it's kind of a test for themselves of, of what's going to work. You know, like you're saying, they have a plan in mind, but of course it's going to be able to shift. I mean, we know that Kevin Feige is working to the fantastic four. He's trying to get to the Fantastic Four, but the way that they take these characters and the stories from the comics and mold them around, they have a lot more freedom than they let on, right? Just in this bucket that they're working with. So I I think that's a really good point is what, like, how is this going to affect the audience? Who's going to watch what? And I really think it's a test for them. And I think based on what works is what we're going to continue to see, right? I I do think that even if, uh, Shang-Chi doesn't like 
make huge money that doesn't mean that it they're just going to say that it's an inconsequential piece i i feel like at this point it really seems like every show or movie that we see is going to matter to some extent like it it doesn't sound likely to me that they're going to put anything out that doesn't tie in somehow okay yeah no i think it has to matter to some extent I no 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 and that's I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is how like think about so Black Panther before Black Panther came out there was not plans for Black Panther 2 Black Panther was a much smaller idea and then when that movie came out it was like it went fucking bunkers everybody went and saw that movie it got garnished more award love than any marvel movie to date and it just had universal praise for being kind of this landmark film and my kind of question is, what if something like that does happen with Shang-Chi over something like uh, Spider-Man? Like how like just kind of trying to figure out where well, this where this is all going. But but think about it. Black Panther did not have a, a huge role in Infinity War or Endgame. So they didn't have time. Those movies were so locked in. That plan was so set that they didn't have time to really, truly pivot from the success of Black Panther in the subsequent movies. And now that Chadwick Boseman has passed, they'll never get that chance to really lay out the 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 uh more kind of integration of that character that would have happened because of the success of that movie. Mm. So there is this lag of like one character, one movie being introduced, popping off maybe unexpectedly. And then us getting that character in subsequent stories that doesn't have a true link to the audience reaction because those things were maybe already shot or the stories and scripts were already locked into place. So we may not see it come into fruition into much, much later down the line than the, the movies that, and shows that are already in production and already down the, the pipeline. So it may take longer than we think to actually like see that effect come. Um, I did want to backtrack real quick to something uh, that we touched on earlier where Brett, you were talking about, um, you know, the, the stuff from WandaVision that didn't give you those, those nuggets. Um, essentially anything that didn't have to do with Wanda and vision, right? Like anytime we cut back to like sword or anything like that, um, that's, that's kind of what we talked about when we covered the show is that, that, that felt kind of like wasted potential to do something bigger. And when we talked about WandaVision, I remember us talking about how like the thing that we got the most out of that show is this story about grief of Wanda, like losing vision and like trying to cope with that grief and creating this whole reality, uh, fabricating this whole reality to try to cope with that grief. And I think that that show succeeded in doing that incredibly well. All the other stuff didn't succeed as well. When you look at Loki, I think that Loki from the jump, from the first episode, even though we maybe didn't know it 100% at the time, it was setting itself up to be that much more 
consequential piece of the puzzle for the overall story, right? Like including the infinity stones in the drawer, that whole miss minutes thing about the, the sacred timeline and everything. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't know how much it would be in the end with Kang being stabbed and like everything sort of going into full multiversal chaos. But from the jump, it was setting up itself, even though it did tell this contained character study, like I said, it set itself up to be that big, big, important piece of the pie that Falcon and, and WandaVision necessarily didn't set out to be. So, so there's, I think there's, that's what makes the show special. Yeah. And it, like the fact that it does it well, right, is that it's doing both simultaneously. Yeah. There's it a calls it shot. And then it knocks it out of and the park. Exactly. And there's a couple ways to do that, right? We could have had WandaVision be this really great story about grief and at the very end be like Yo Mephisto or something, right? There, there's different ways of injecting that in there and having it still work. What I'm thinking is if they want to really throw me for a loop, I'll call them up, is instead of having it where it's like some, you know, we have Loki and at the very end it's like, okay, right? But what if we have where fan, we have the fantastic, we don't see any Fantastic Four. Then the Fantastic Four movie comes out and we watch the whole movie and there's no Fantastic Four. We have the reverse, reverse Easter egg. Wait, you're saying there's a Fantastic Four movie without the Fantastic Four? Yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of like doing a backdoor, let's do the opposite of split. Where we think that we're watching a superhero movie and then it reaches the end and we're like, do we just like, what was that? That was like Mad Men. What it, there was just like, there's just like an office drama. Yeah, it's basically like anything. It's like the first episode of WandaVision, how it was like its own like thing, right? I cannot wait for Fantastic Four. I think that when once Doom comes into the picture, shit's gonna get so real. People are not ready for Doom to be done right. Like that shit is gonna be the best fucking shit I've ever well, seen. Well, when it when it comes to like what Kang means for the greater story, I was doing a little bit of research. Cause again, I haven't read like the comics or like any runs with Kang or anything like who Kang really is, is really convoluted. I was seeing some stuff that Reed Richards could be his dad, but also yeah. Dr. Doom. Well, like grand, 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 grand dad. Cause it, he doesn't, he say he's from like the 31st century. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's all over the place. It's like, yeah. Like he meets like in the comics, he meets doom and he's like, you know, I'm your father and Doom's like, no, I'm your father. Some like, like, yeah, some weird shit like that. Ancestry. Well, I do want to say, Ernest, you said you can't wait for people to see Doom done right. And I do want to remind you that there was a 2015 film done by Josh Trank uh, called Fant Four Stick mm-hmm. that does include Dr. Doom's origin stro- story where he falls in lava on strange, uh, dark brown <laughs> planets so that's, yeah, that's, the, much that's the origin that. story that you want, right? <laughs> is where he just falls down on lava and it burn his face. God, well, Doom we're, is, we're, is such a cool character. I if, can't, I can't wait. If we're thinking that like the penultimate story here that we're going to get is like potentially secret wars. It's heading that way. I'm sure of it. I mean, that's Doom, like, I, Doom is integral to that story. Yeah. I think that's like God Doom, right? That's like, yeah. we get like God Emperor Doom. So, I mean, what are the, like, blows my mind thinking about like visually like what something like that could look like and what god emperor doom actually does in the context of of that event it's so mind-blowing like are we they they're 
so I brought up Fantastic Four. I made I made like the little joke, like, what if they didn't have Fantastic Four? Because we've had so many Fantastic Four movies. Are they really just going to do the same shit? There's no fucking way they're, they're going to do gonna some do the same crazy, shit. super out there shit. Like, I feel like by the time we get that Fantastic Four movie, we're going to be so primed for something truly mind blowing. Like by that point, we'll have seen Eternals, Spider-Man. Uh, no way home, Dr. Strange, love and thunder, Ant-Man quantum mania, Ga- guardians of the galaxy volume three, like supposedly all of these movies are going to come out before then. So just imagine like what we'll be ready for, for that fantastic four movie. Like it's going to be some crazy multiversal dimensional hopping shit. It's going to be. Yeah. We're we're not going to get the origin story of the fantastic four. It's going to be, we're just going to be like in their ship fucking flying through space time. You know, I'm, I'm all in on that. I want that idea. I did want to ask you guys, do you think that this could happen? I really don't want it to, but it definitely leaves the, definitely leaves the door open that this could happen that way down the line. Now that we have all these different multiverses and all these different possibilities that we'll get like a, a, Robert Downey Jr. cameo from like an Iron Man who's still alive or like we'll get ScarJo as a Black Widow that comes back into the fray or something. Please, I don't want that to happen. I don't like feeling cheated by character deaths and things. I think that that fucking sucks when that happens. Uh, so, but do, do you guys think I that don't is think possible? RDJ, I don't think RDJ would. You I think he just Chris pop- Evans. Chris Evans yeah. probably would. Chris Evans will just like pop up to make like a cameo in a different universe or yeah. something. RDJ, from every interview that I've heard from him post Endgame, he's done. Like, well, he he's making Doolittle too right now, so he's okay. probably a little bit busy for the next few years at least. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure eventually they'll bring him back when he's like sixty. And it's like season 37 of Armor Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, independent of all that stuff, like we could get into like the whole Armor Wars thing and like what the future is going to be like, but just like, you're excited for Armor Wars? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm so ready for Do you want to hear about the Gear Wars? (laughs) That's the same energy that you guys have right now talking about Armor Wars. Like Don Cheadle's gonna be you like know what? eighty. Cause, cause I'm you're, good on Armor Wars, actually. It's, I'm good. It's, it's more so like getting into the idea of like I because I would also hate like Robert Downey Jr. coming back. I don't think that's really gonna happen. Like I, I, I think it's like I said, it's gonna be about the new characters. It's gonna be about fucking yeah. Tony Stark's daughter or something, right? It's all about that. Maybe we'll get an anime flashback or something. But like go, going back to the episode because we're like right towards the end. And, and the Lokis and we had like a couple cliffhangers, like what happens to B-15. We totally skipped over like a big chunk with Owen Wilson and uh, Renslayer, right? Talking yeah. in their, their whole thing. But that's why I'm glad we're getting God. a season two, because I, I feel yeah. like we didn't get like almost anything from that plot thread towards the end, just because mm-hmm. we had to like clear the path for Jonathan Majors. And when we saw that we're getting a season two, I'm like, OK, that feels great because I need more I, Wilson. Like, please. Yes. And I want more Gugu and Bata Ross, dude. She's so fucking good in this show, man. Like, I, yeah. I want more of the two of them together for we'll, sure. We'll get more of that. So going back to the theme, like a, a couple of the themes that I really like in this show. So we get that massive monologue from Jonathan Majors. And then we have the the battle between Loki and Sylvie. 
which comes to the head of, of Loki saying, I can't be trusted and you can't trust, which I really like that as uh, that theme for that piece of the show, but also of this whole glorious purpose thing. So it was really on the nose with old man Loki. And he's like, here's my glorious purpose. Boom. And then with Sylvie, we kind of see hers, right? Stabbing. I'm, gl- um, I'm glad you brought this up because stabbing him. Because essentially the question here is Kang or he who remains, whatever you want to call him, he knows everything that's going to happen up to a point. And there's a very pivotal moment in the episode where the camera like pushes into his face and we get the moment where like we're past the threshold is what he says. And then he doesn't know what's going to happen next. And he doesn't know what Sylvie and Loki are going to do. And he says that he's known everything that they are going to do. He knows everything that everybody's ever going to do, which reinforces that theme of like, you know, the, the, the illusion of choice and being on tram lines and determinism and, and the illusion of, of, um, of free will and the idea of like, you know, fate and, you know, glorious purpose, all of that. And that it's all predetermined by the sacred timeline and, and, and Kang and, and whatnot. But when she stabs him, we're led to believe that she is free from that level of, you know, time Kang overseeing control, that that is a choice that she made. And I think that's very pivotal to her character and to the whole story because choice is integral to us caring about our characters. They make choices and we need to care about those choices for us to care about them and for us to see their arcs progress. So I think that's like one of the key moments of the whole thing is that she is, this is her glorious purpose, as you put it. That's exactly. where she's headed. Mm-hmm. So then my, my question from there is what is our normal Loki's purpose? And I suspect we haven't seen it yet. I, so I think, you know, something's going to happen in the second season. That's his very clear this was his fucking glorious purpose, right? Something like that. At first, for a little while, I was thinking about it and I thought it was maybe just him taking the Tesseract to begin with and just kicking off everything that happened. But I, I see it more we- as internal. I, I see Syl- Sylvie's purpose being very external with her just killing this this version of Kang and unleashing the, the multiverse. Um, and then you can, you know, you can also ask yourself the idea of like, did he know that that was the end of her road and he needed for that to happen in order for like the whole loop to restart. But with our Loki, I see it as more internal, right? And obviously his journey is not complete, but I do think that his purpose is more about like understanding himself more and accepting himself and even like loving himself right and trusting himself mm-hmm. and relation and, and having a, a a healthy good relationship with himself right because there's a moment very early on like the the fireworks of the season uh you know make it so like we don't remember this but there's a moment i think it's in the very first episode where he's talking to mobius and he explains that like his, the way he acts the way he behaves his his uh his need to like pursue power and trick people and and lie is a way to shield his fear of being weak and and 
I, I forget exactly how, how he puts it, but it's, it's essentially that it's, it's a, it's a coping mechanism for his own insecurities is essentially what it is. And it's, and his inability to like truly love himself. So if you look at that arc and his journey, this whole season, it's exemplified by him essentially falling in love with a female version of himself. And in, a, in that way, learning to love himself. Wow. That's, that's beautifully well said. Um, I, I'm sorry. I've been quiet for the last couple of minutes, uh, to be honest, because we well. All right. Let's first of all, we got to give a shout out to Tara Strong, who is the voice of Miss Minutes. Um, Tara Strong has like one of the most impressive voice acting IMDb's that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that's what I've just been looking at for the last like couple minutes. Uh, she is Timmy Turner in Fairly Odd Parents, <laughs> Dill Pickles in the Rugrats, uh, Riku in the fucking uh, Final Fantasy games. She was she's Raven in the Teen Titans. Uh, she has an unbelievable. I'm like just like kind of skimming through more stuff that she's done. So much stuff. Uh, I love every animated. She's like in every animated. She's show. in everything. She's in everything from fucking uh, Family Guy to uh, she does a ton of stuff. She was in Samurai Jack, uh, does a bunch of voices in Samurai Jack. She's in a bunch of video games with like Elder Scrolls stuff to Injustice, to Despicable Me's like, you know, Tara Strong. Also, Miss Minutes, just a great little character design, fun little thing. Yeah. It's not something that's like too Disney-fied where it's like, oh yeah, here's like all the plushies that'll come out for Miss Minutes. And this is something that exists just to sell merch. So it's just like a, a fun little she's kind of a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. she's a little she stinker. Kinda, she kind of sucks, but like I love her. And she just she just talks all southern like a nice. You just don't want to listen to her. She's just nice. Miss yeah, Minutes. Awesome, awesome character. And I, I love that you you noticed that it was, you know, in in part due to the the voice actor. Also, Bubbles. She's the voice of Bubbles too, which incredible, just unbelievable range in her voice acting ability. So shout out Tara. Um. All right. Any other final thoughts on Loki before we wrap it up? We pretty much already said most of our thoughts on like the MCU moving forward and how this fits into it. I I think that that's really exciting to see. Like, all right, it's happening. Kang is here. Multiverse is here. Mm-hmm. Like. We're doing this where they, they, they did it. Like, I honestly didn't think that, that they would pull that trigger on Disney plus. I honestly thought that they were going to save something like this for the movies on the big screen. It, it seems pretty special to like have a, a moment like this on the MCU play out at home on Disney plus. It's like, wow, this is the era that we're in, but I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that Jonathan majors is uh, in our hearts and in our, MCUs. Um, I, I did want to ask. I wanted to ask. I brought it up earlier. My least favorite episode. What are your guys's least favorite and favorite episodes of the season? Uh, I don't know. I don't I, know. I have the same least favorite. Um, I think it's episode three. It just, you know, it ends before anything like really happens plot wise. It's just all, it's just all uh, talking and character development wise. It didn't, I didn't feel like it was doing more heavy lifting than the other episodes my favorite is the pilot Ooh, the pilot is a it's a great pilot it's a killer pilot yeah it does a lot of heavy lifting because like we had never seen anything like this in the mcu before obviously we've seen things like this in other 
you know, shows and movies before, but in the MCU, we hadn't, you know, zoomed out this far before. So it was cool to see like their take on, on something like this. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would probably say that episode four is my least favorite. There's some really good moments in that episode with, um, um, you know, kind of Loki in the loop with Lady Sif. Uh, I think that's a good beat. And like, he has some good beats with, with Owen Wilson as well. Um, just kind of, you know, really butting heads and, and Owen Wilson feeling betrayed. Um, but overall, it just seemed like a transitionary episode to kind of get us to the next thing. Um, so not a terrible episode. I would just say that that one's my least favorite. And then my favorite is definitely the fifth episode journey in the mystery. The like, that, Oh man. Yeah, yeah. The, the visuals on that one are just incredible. And, and Richard E. Grant and Gator Loki and kid Loki. And I, I just got such a kick out of that whole fucking thing. It was just so well done. Um, so, yeah. so people have been trying to triangulate when season two might be coming out based on like when they're filming. And that's a big question for me is because, you know, say, say season two, if the intention was for it to come out right after this one has much different ramifications than if it's supposed to come out two years from now, as far right. as where Does it, it comes out after quantum mania, like after yeah. we see Kang like, in a movie. I think it might be like right before quantum mania. Mm-hmm. Right. So are we like, I think we're not going to see Sylvie Loki. We're not going to see these people for a really long time. And I really like that because then I get that. I get the the candy right when they come back on screen. <laughs> um, well, I I'm curious about love and thunder. Cause wouldn't it make sense for Thor to cross paths with Loki again? Or do we, but if he cross paths, He's dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, what if he crosses paths with a different Loki? <laughs> Another Loki in there? I don't know. Well, don't... no, because if no, because Love and Thunder is a post endgame movie from what we know of it. Yeah, there's no Loki. Right. Yeah. Not that's in that great, world. No. That's a great that's... question. I I I do think that we just have to wait and see how the whole multiverse is gonna shake out because the the very end of this show is a very uh kind of planet of the apes type of ending That's exactly where, what it is yeah. yes yeah he, yeah he he looks up he sees the kang statue and we know immediately that he's in an alternate world so now that our loki is in an alternate world are we going to see other alternate worlds are we going to be jumping back and forth between the main timeline and now this new timeline like i don't know what's going to happen with this like we you know we don't know you saying that makes me think that the king that Loki is with now where we get left off is far more malevolent because he didn't feel he needed to like put the timekeepers between him right. and everything else. He's like, this is me. Fuck you. You know, listen to me. Yeah. yeah. No right? bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, did you say your favorite episode? I don't think you said yours. Oh, uh, my favorite is probably uh, either five or four. Actually, I fucking loved the Nexus event. I really, really love that episode because I I love the time loop thing. Um, I really love the ending of it. And even knowing that Loki, he ain't going to stay dead. It's episode four of a six episode series. But like still just that's a very effective ending Mm -hmm. that we have there. Yeah. Very Um, what the fuck moment. Yeah. Also, the beginning when it, it's like this mountain range and we pan, uh, we like fly over it and then we're yeah. in Asgard and it's like, oh, man, we get those like nice Asgardian like strings. Although uh, I will that was say a great moment. 
a friend of friend of the pod harry uh was kind of talking some shit about the ending here and i thought that this was about as good as you could have ended a show like this like i really yeah. fucking i love the finale love love it was up there with my favorite episodes mostly because of jonathan majors but and it's very exposition heavy and i get that but listen i'll take that i'll take him delivering exposition of course and we need this information yeah because we need it's everything needs to go off of what happens from this finale moving forward like we can't i'm sure that they're going to do some more exposition in multiverse of madness and and no way home but you know with the information we get here it's just going to Mm -hmm. make the entire experience a lot smoother in right. terms of like bringing in multiple versions of the same characters. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting how they explain this to the audience that hasn't seen it. Cause like, for example, spoilers for black widow, there's a post credit scene in black widow that introduces a character who is in Falcon and the Warrior soldier. I hadn't seen Falcon and the Warrior soldier, but like, I just kind of picked up, I was like, Oh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is just like in this universe now, I guess. Okay. She's here for something, but that post credit scene, like you didn't really need to see the show to figure out that what was going to happen, what She's it was up to leading something. to in the future. Yeah, you figure that much out. Yeah. This is like a big thing. So like, how do yes. they get, it's like walking, it's like watching Ant-Man, the Wasp and seeing the end credits of that without seeing Endgame. And you're like, wait, so they're like Ash now? Which by the <laughs> so, way, Nathan, friend of the pod, uh, that, did, that he did see, he did see Ant-Man the Wasp before he saw Avengers Infinity War. And he was like, hey, what happened? Where'd they go? That's his own fault. I mean, that's that's what we were saying. We had all this exposition here to allow it. So when we get those movies, we don't need that exposition. It's just going to go right into it. People like us have been satiated. We're the yeah. ones that watch all of it. And we want those answers so we can, you know, let's say, for example, Fantastic Four and King just comes out. That's going to be plenty for like the rest of the audience. Also, I'm sure there's plenty of people that watch the show and they're still not going to know what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> they're still going to be confused. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yo, dude, I like it when the smoke man, like he ate up that whole shit. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So they're still going to need to like do a little bit of hand holding, but hopefully it won't be like, let's, you know, derail the momentum of this it'll movie be, to like explain it. Yeah. It'll be Cumberbatch. Like just give him the exposition. He he'll nail it. Give him a little yeah. bit. Well, I'm excited for what's to come. Uh, I'll probably check out um, what's it called? What if, cause that seems just like a fun little animated multiverse show jumping into alternate timelines every episode um that seems like it has like a little bit more weight behind it because of the end of loki like i thought that it was just a complete kind of i mean i thought it was gonna be fun and i was gonna check it out but now it seems like it's more of like a thing that could possibly be yeah one of the realities next next month in a in a month we'll be we'll be starting to get those so that should be pretty fun and then beyond that we've got shang chi so that should be interesting. Then Eternals, um, then Spider-Man in December. And then we're supposed to also get Miss Marvel and Hawkeye also on Disney Plus this year. So I don't think they'll match Loki. What do you guys think? Probably not. We'll just, huh? we'll, 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 we'll just have to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure how those are going to be received, if they're going to be cool, if they're going to have the good story, right? 
again, it's going to be this balancing act every single time mm. and what's going to work and what's not. Yeah. yeah. We'll see as far as the movies go, as far as the TV shows, I kind of doubt it. Um, Ernie, you're the hockey head, the Hawkeye head. So I'll let you, I'll let you just take over Hawkeye fully. And runner I know that you'll be over here. Yeah, You'll be over there. You still have the runner app downloaded. So you're gonna have to tell me how all the 45 yeah. year old white women are going to be uh, taking the premiere of Hawkeye. It's uh, my phone is just a malware, like swamp, <laughs> just Renner, like face pics. Um, Renner we'll face pics. I don't know. I, I don't think anything is going to top my excitement for Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, I think I feel like that movie is going to be the biggest fucking movie ever. It's, it's going to save cinemas. It's going to do what F9 couldn't. It's going to bring everybody back to the movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, F9, I, it just actually crossed the 5 billion threshold oh, as we're recording this podcast. Family. 5 billion in my heart. <laughs> well, it's been a blast, boys. Thank you so much, Brett, for coming on. You're our, our resident uh, Kevin Feige. <laughs> our um, Feige fuck boy. Fuck boy, yes. That's right. We love it. Um, you are wearing... A we bought a mic sure we should let the listeners know. Um, so thank you for repping the uh the good work that we do on this show and for supporting us and donating. It means a lot. We do this for you because we yeah. love you. You guys are the best. This podcast fucking rules. Everybody listen to this podcast by are you guys selling shirts? You're not selling shirts. I am I am working on it. There is a new design in the works. Mm-hmm. I am figuring out the colors so that they look as good as possible um, when we print it. And then, yes, we will be getting those those shirts out for people once that design is is done, hopefully very soon. And listeners, if you want a shirt, just sign up. And then you could also be a producer of this podcast and you could get a nice gift basket from us. Be like Brett. Be like the show. Yeah. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, recommend it to your friends. Um, follow us at we bought a mic on social media check out our website we bought a mic.net where we have some goodies for you uh hopefully more goodies moving forward throughout this year as more movies are coming out we got a uh, pig the new nick cage movie is out this week we'll be reviewing that and then old old guys let's get old we're going to get old. We're going to get old together during that podcast. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> get old fast. Yeah. Then uh, the Suicide Squad. You excited for that, Brett? The Suicide nope. Squad? Nope. Nope. It looks pretty fun. James Gunn? <sighs> Guardians? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Come on, guys. <laughs> He's, you know you know how I keep I keep harping on this the idea movies. that Mar- Marvel is Marvel's is really consistent, Disney's really consistent and boy is DC not consistent. <laughs> if there is one word you would say is definitely not DC, it is consistent. Yeah. You weren't a so fan of uh, sure. the 4-hour Snyder cut. I actually did like that a lot. Yeah. Did yeah. you I wouldn't I, say a lot, but I enjoyed it. Here's the thing. I watched 15 minutes of it. And then I remembered it was four hours and I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to watch literally anything else. Except it, took for this. Me, it took me multiple days to get through it. Like three <laughs> days. 
that's that was I think the ideal way to watch. You know, I feel like I was going to watch it, and now I feel like the moment's passed, and nobody cares about it anymore. Oh, yeah. So now I just like why why even do it? <laughs> no, the the ideal way to watch it was how I did it, which was all the way straight through with Kevin, a uh, friend of the pod and former roommate. <laughs> oh, you guys did? Yeah, you did like yes. a like um. A watch, little watch party. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that, that sounds like a fun way. Well, yeah. that's what's coming down the line for you. We hope that you tune in uh, to all of those and and let us know if any uh, other things you want to hear on the podcast. You can always reach us, DM us, email us, and let us know if there's anything that you want to hear. We are in the process of planning our next career arc series which we will probably let the listeners vote on. So hopefully soon we'll be able to open up that voting to let all of you decide who our next career arcs and will be. the results are in it's Adam Sandler. You know, that wouldn't be terrible. Adam Sandler was a good one. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I am going to go ahead and make t-shirts and start a hashtag. And I am all in for we Bob Mike covering the career arc of Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is the answer, and that's what I want. Yeah, I already got dibs on Minority Report. If that's if that's the pick, I I think, hey, look, I think the best series might actually be Will Smith. I don't know. He's got I, a lot of highs and lows. Exactly. It's, but the thing is that like his arc. his his series would get sad, like because then <laughs> it goes it gets bad, and then like it doesn't bounce back. At least like Cage, there's like some some highlights in there in the back half. Will Smith, when was the last great movie Will Smith was in? I mean, Jesus. Um, concussion? <laughs> great movie. I said great movie. Uh, Aladdin? Pursuit of Happiness? Is that it? Are we going back like 10, 15 years? Uh, uh, suicide Squad? <laughs> Gemini man. <laughs> I'll tell you right. It's all right. We'll do Gemini man, but I'm going to hold a D box screening for all of us to watch it where I'm just going to shake the seat while you Hunter, watch it. The way you, that I saw it. Did you forget about 2017's bright? Dude, <laughs> we've already devoted an episode to that. I can't. No other part of my brain can be de- devoted to bright. He is coming out with a new movie this year where he plays um, Bright Two, Venus, Venus and Serena's dad. Yes, that I am excited for. That could be the answer. That's the that's the Oscar run, King baby. Richard. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. It's time for the comeback. The Wilsons. All right, let's wrap it up, Brett. Anything you want to plug? You want no, to plug not in your Tesla into my butthole <laughs> fuck it Joe, no no Tesla. no plugs but it's just always really good to see you guys come on here and, and talk it's, it's, it's always a blast having you man we will have you on again very soon i hope even if it's not a um an mcu thing if anything is coming down the line just yeah i like i like uh some of those like weirder movies like a24 like there was um oh fuck what was that movie um i'm thinking of ending things like I, I'm really into shit like that. Perfect so wanna, movie. Yeah, I want to. I want to come on for stuff like that. So keep me in mind. For sure. All right, man. Um, thank you for coming on, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with Pig. 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 
Oink, oink, army, rise up. Bye-bye. We love you. Bye. Bye.